And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set. With your host, Darren Starr. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 203 of The Drop Set. My name is Frankie McGregor. I am a client of Darren Starr's. I am located in Omaha, Nebraska, and Darren has graciously agreed to allow me to interview him for this episode. Darren is here. Why don't you say hello? <laughs> hello, everybody. This is this is going to be a trip. I'm scared. I'm in the hot seat. <laughs> you should be. <laughs> well, so, and I, I had one stipulation before we agreed to this, and that's that I could not see any of your questions in advance. Yeah, that surprised me. Because <laughs> I, I feel like you share you share interesting details about your life in the podcast and in feedback that you've given to me. So yeah. we're gonna go all the places. Cool, I, I'm ready for it. So uh, I, this this is your episode. So I'm just along for the ride. So if if you want to give us an update on like TV that you've been watching or all the crap that I normally talk about, hey, go for it. Or if you just want to dig right in, that's cool too. I'm I'm cool. I'm I'm here for whatever. I, I'm going to dig right in, but I may add some editorial comments throughout. I would expect nothing myself. less. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we're going to start with general and then start to get more specific. The first thing that I'm curious about is where are you from originally? Oh, oh I, uh, I was born in Salem General Hospital in Salem, Oregon in 1977. And your family is still there, right? They're in uh, that general area. I have two brothers, one of which still lives in Salem. I mean, still, he has moved to you know Kentucky and Texas and been back. So he's back in Salem. Uh, my parents live about 20-ish miles south of there in Albany. And then I have my oldest brother lives about another 40 minutes south of there in Springfield. So okay. all the family is in that I-5 corridor in Oregon still. And what brought you to Knoxville? Uh, well, my wife, actually. Yeah. Oh. Um, I had I had moved to Asheville, North Carolina um, when I was 30-ish, 33, something like that, um, with a girlfriend at the time. Um, and that was my chance to like, hey, you know what? I've never lived outside of this 20-mile radius. So let's go see the world a little bit and go live in... North Carolina of all places. And so that was an interesting experience. That relationship didn't last. I stayed in Asheville for a couple of years and then met my wife uh, and eventually moved the two hours back west to Knoxville. So, and that was in 2013. Okay. 2013. Uh, yeah. So nine years. Yeah. Yeah. Almost okay. a decade. And that actually, that move was the point at which I started doing online coaching full-time exclusively. Um, okay. Because when more I lived questions. in Asheville... Yeah, go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say more questions about that in a bit. Okay, I won't jump the I, shark then. Okay. Um, I recall you saying, I feel like it was in a podcast episode, that your biggest regret is your second marriage. I'm assuming that's not the one you're on right now. No. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man, that would get me. I don't. I don't want to get that number wrong. No, no. My second marriage. Yes, I'm on number three right now. So okay. I've Good. I've had two strikes, and this is the one. This is the home run. So, yeah, n- number two. That was who man. If you want to go there, I'll go there. But let me just say that was a fucking mess. Oh my god. Nah, we can leave that one. Okay. <laughs> we can talk about that in another episode. <laughs> I, I'm happy to go over anything, but I'm also happy to leave that behind. So. <laughs> okay. I also have had two strikes, but I think I'm going to leave it at that. I'm not going for a third. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Because, yeah. you know, you don't always, it depends on how well you learn from your mistakes, I think. And uh, yeah. I learned pretty well. So, yeah. <laughs> the third time's that's the good. charm, definitely. <laughs> Okay. I am curious about all these letters after your name, A-C-S-M-A-F-P-A-C-P-T. What do all of those things stand for? And is there one of them that you value more than the others? Oh, okay. So that means I'm, I'm, uh, I'm certified by the bar in 14 States. Um, no, it means none of that. So, uh, (laughs) actually it's a good point. Like I should probably go and revise that part of, because that's in my email signature. Right. Um, I need to go and revise that because none of those are accurate anymore because those are all certifications that have lapsed um, oh, wow. because they are completely and totally irrelevant for what I do right now. Okay. Um, what they mean is ACSM is American College of Sports Medicine. That's a, a personal trainer certification. That's the CPT, Certified Personal Trainer. And uh, what was the AFPA was the other one. Uh, American yes. Fitness Professionals Association. I have a general and a sports nutrition certification through them. Um, okay. Or I guess I could say had because they've lapsed. You're supposed to do continuing ed and pay them stuff. And like the ACSM certification, the, the two things that I remember from that, other than their textbook showing, you know, they had, it was like a 400 page, tech, page textbook and about 10 pages talked about exercise mechanics. And they had like oh. a, a picture of a squat that was like, start, finish. And it's like, Someone standing, someone down at the bottom of a squat, and that was it. And it was like the 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 model, and then the quote unquote trainer who was watching, who was in like khakis and a polo shirt. It was that kind of a thing. Um, but the the things that I remember taking away from that were um, how to use a sphygmomanometer, a, a blood okay. pressure uh, instrument. Which uh, let's see, how many times have I used that in practice? Oh yeah, that would be zero. And. <laughs> how to calculate METs, which is a form of work. Um, oh, like yeah. you, might, you might see that in like some, on some old treadmills instead of like, you know, speed or calories, yeah. they might say how many METs you're doing or whatever. And talk about mm-hmm. a worthless calculation there too. Those were the things that I remember from that. So talk about completely and totally irrelevant for what I do now. Like, no thanks. So <laughs> these, I mean, right. These certifications are only things that if you were going to go be a personal trainer at a gym or some corporation, these are things that they would want. Right. And, and they want that specifically because if you have that certification, then you can be insured for their facility. Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. And that, that's really it. They don't even want the certification so much as they want to know you're insurable. Oh, okay. Yeah. And I mean, doing what you're doing, as long as you have the knowledge and the expertise, it doesn't really matter if you have the certification. No, and I'm not in a facility, so I don't need to be insured. Um, what I do need to be is like uh, in, incorporated in some way so that my personal and professional assets are separated. But that's, sure. that, that's the only thing that I have to worry about. That makes sense. Um, in the past, I think there, I remember a podcast episode where you started to share a little bit about your early days 
in the gym lifting. Um, how old were you when you first started hitting the gym? I, I just have to say, I get anxiety whenever you whenever you reference something that I said on an old podcast. I'm like, oh man, of all the stupid shit that I've said. This is episode 203. Keep in mind, I've had a lot of opportunities to say some really dumb shit. And I um, only listened to half of them, so you might be pretty safe. <laughs> okay. Whew. Right, as long as it was the good half. Uh, <laughs> I was like, you know, I worked out a little bit in like my later teen years, and it was when I was 20-ish. Um, I got a membership at Gold's, and I went with a roommate of mine, Jonathan, and we went regularly. And then we would always go out and have like, you know, we would go to a restaurant afterwards for our post-workout meal. I mean, we were dumb. We had no idea what we were doing or anything like that. Like we were the people that I go into the gym right now and I'm like, get out of my way. Oh my God, you idiots. <laughs> like that was 100% us for a good while. I started to get more serious after a little while. And I was like reading magazines and stuff. Cause this was like very early days of the internet. Um, and so like, going through all the like muscle and fitness flex iron man magazines and stuff because I, I was really fascinated by it i've always thought that bodybuilding is cool even though it was like worlds away from where i was uh mm -hmm. but i was like yeah that's kind of where i want to be so i just started learning a little bit i got more serious about it he stopped going to the gym and i kept going by myself and then i moved to a different place and joined another gym and then i joined two and that's when i started kind of going to different places based on what i was doing on a given day and that's when i was like okay yeah i'm, I'm kind of hooked at this point cool yep i understand that <laughs> um how many times have you competed and how old were you at your first competition uh I was, I didn't, I didn't make it until I was 29 or 30. Um, I've done six, six. Okay. Um, and a, a couple of those were like really rinky dink, like unsanctioned affairs. Like those, those are less common now, but if you are like on a military base or something like that, you'll find like the base puts on a show. It's not affiliated with any organization. That was not me. It was like, Oh, the gym's putting on this show or something like that. Um, okay. and so they would like get a, a crappy little venue somewhere and go put it on there, that kind of thing. Um, and, and it was like the first time I did that. And clearly like the first time I tried to compete, I failed. Like I didn't make it to the show. Um, and that happens, oh. that happens all the time where it's like, you just ass out and it's like, oh, this is the show I'm doing. And then six weeks into it, you're like, okay, apparently I'm not doing that because I suck at this. Like I can't keep my act together. So you got to, like I say with, with everything, you have to suck at something before you get good at it and you got to fail before you succeed. Well, that makes me feel a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had several false starts before I actually made it. And, uh, then, uh, competed a handful of times. Um, I think five times culminating in the Charlotte cup in 2012. And then I kind of realized like, man, I really like prep. I like going through it. I don't like uh -huh. anything about show day at all. Like I hate the waiting around. I hate the way it's structured. I don't really like going up and arbitrarily being judged by people I don't know on how I compare right. to everybody else. And so I'm like, I'm going to keep doing this and helping other people with it, but I'm going to take a back, a, a step back for myself until last year um, when I did it and had a little different perspective last year um, where it's awesome. like, the the show was it it was better run um it was it was uh 
like there was less waiting around and just like sitting around with your thumb up your butt all day. That's just the way it was organized. It was a little bit more intelligent that way. Um, I was very comfortable just because I'm a major introvert. I have social anxiety. It's like crowds backstage. It's like, I don't like that. Um, and I was much more just chill, like, okay, here we are. And like, I placed horribly and like, I'm okay with that. That's fine. It's like, you know, the whole point was to come back in and put my feet back into the pool. And I did that. And I was happy with how I showed up. The judges didn't like me for whatever reason. I still don't know what that reason is. Um, you didn't ask for feedback? I did ask for feedback. It was, it was uh, ignored. All of my emails were ignored. So that's why I kind of think, because I know other people got feedback. That's why I'm like, I think they got something out for me. And I don't know if, if one of the judges is he heard the podcast or something like that, where I talk shit about the NPC all the time. And maybe he took that personally. And if so, it's like, eh, that's fair. I, it's not, I don't have that big of an audience. So I kind of doubt that they just didn't like me. And ta- talking about this right now, it's, it's compelling me. So I'm going to post something on Instagram in the next few days. That's a side by side of me and a guy who beat me by several spots. And, you know, I, I have a pretty fair opinion of where I sit in the realm of like, you know, physique. Like, I don't think I'm all that. I ran circles around that guy and it's not even close. And he beat me by like three spots. And there's, oh my gosh. there's no angle from which he is like within five years of where I am. And again, I don't have a super high opinion of myself, but like it was very clearly his first show and he did not prep very long for it, but he beat me. So um, I, I just want to post that and be like, not so much like, Hey, screw this guy. I don't know who he is. He's probably a nice guy, but just like, you got to take what the judges give you with a big grain of salt. Yeah. And I remember that. I don't know if it's the same guy I'm thinking of, but I remember looking at the pictures and seeing this other guy and going, gosh, I hope that guy didn't place because he doesn't look like he should be up there yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, not that I know anything about judging. Well, and that, that's the thing. It's like, you don't really have to know too much. Like any, whenever I show those pictures to anybody, um, it's like they can know nothing about bodybuilding. And it's very obvious, like, wow, he beat you? Really? I'm like, yeah, he did. So, you know, that's just the way. It, the only guy that I beat in both classes was a guy who I swear is Vladimir Putin's stunt double. He looks exactly <laughs> like him. An absolute dead ringer. And I'm wondering, like, maybe I just beat him because he looks like Putin. I don't know. I'm surprised they gave him a weekend off to go compete. I know. And here of all places, too. This this was before before the Ukraine invasion. So he had a little bit more free time then, probably. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now they've called him back into service. <laughs> Do you have a favorite bodybuilding organization? I have a list here of like six of them. I don't know if there's more. Six. There's about 30 that I'm aware of. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. <laughs> there's a new one. It's an alphabet soup. They crop up all the time. Um, favorite is hard that's like picking like your and it's it's kind of like you know what's your favorite part of hell you know it's like (laughs) they're all hell um but i think you know i mean the npc is the biggest one so i would say in a way they're my favorite because they give people the greatest opportunity to compete and the more people who compete the more people need a coach and so therefore the npc has the biggest impact on my bottom line you know if i just put a dollars and cents value on it from a an organizational standpoint though um i think the ocb which is a drug tested organization um they're probably the most well run um they put on the most consistent quality production like you'll find 
NPC shows that take place in some middle school theater or something like that because they were able to get it for super cheap. And it's like, wow, this venue is just not equipped to host this kind of an event at all. The OCB shows are always at a good venue. They're always well run. Um, there's always a pretty decent level of competition, even if the shows are sometimes a little on the smaller side. Um, I just kind of like the way that they operate. And they also like... Um, I think their schedule for 2023 for the whole year is already up versus the NPC. If you look like I was trying to help a guy find a show um, for like spring of next year and they have nothing up in the Northeast region for the NPC, like nothing. So we're just guessing, but I think the OCB is probably the most well-run in my experience. Okay. Good to know. I'll keep my eye out for their shows. Good questions. You're kind of, you're kind of sprinkling over a little bit of everything here. This is great. I like it. Yeah. And then I'm hoping that you'll just kind of fill in the blanks for the rest. So. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can talk a lot. I got no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> so how and when did you decide to become a coach? Oh, uh, so funny story here. So I went to school for civil engineering, um, yes. first at Lynn Benton community college in Albany and then at Oregon state in Corvallis. And, and uh, I remember you started working in the field and I can't, I can't remember quite what it was you didn't like about it, but I remember everything. saying, telling Everything. Yeah. So it was actually in my junior year at the end of my junior year, it was an internship and, uh, there was an internship program and there were a whole bunch of benefits that you could do for, and I went back to school when I was like 30. Um, so I found the classwork really easy. Like the first time going to college right out of high school, I was a music major of all things. Um, And like I was in uh, college algebra and I got it like a D minus or something like that. I'm like, why do I need college algebra? I'm a music major. And so I lasted like one term in college before I dropped out. So going back when you're 30, you're a little bit more mature. Like I was, I was a very immature 18 year old. Um, But uh, it was so much easier. I'm like, okay, college algebra. Sure. Geometry. Sure. Calc one, two, three, four, infinite series, multivariable. Okay. No problem. That's fine. Just aces across the board. And it's just, it's easier when you apply yourself. Um, physics, no problem. Statics, dynamics for the engineering courses, easy. I mean, it was work, but it all made sense. And I was loving it. I loved the coursework. It was fun. Um, and so I got this internship and it was with a company where I should look and see if they're still around, a company called Vestas, which is a wind energy company based in Portland. And so they made turbines. Um, and so it was like the design of like one of the projects that they had me work on was helping design a support for a turbine blade that would be used on like the back of a truck when they're trying to transport it somewhere. Like one little piece. Uh, yeah. And if you've seen one of those turbine blades, like they're massive. They're like 60 feet long. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, but it was, uh, that company was kind of like falling apart from the inside. Like there was a lot of conflict. It was kind of a toxic office environment. And uh-huh. my mentor there kind of gave me the breakdown. He's like, yeah, if you want to actually do some real engineering work, you probably need at least a master's degree. And I'm like, okay. Hold up. Um, And so that, and so I actually stopped that internship early. I'm like, I can't do this. Cause also I had to move up to Portland for that. And, uh, I hated living in Portland. Uh, I just absolutely hated it. I know everybody's like, I love visiting Portland. I'm like, yeah, living there's a different thing. Um, and at least for me, I didn't like the, the Portland's a smaller, big city, but it was the biggest city I'd ever lived in at that point. Still is actually. 
Um, and so uh, I took a break. I took a, a semester off from, uh, mm-hmm. from college. I'm like, I like working out. Let me get a personal trainer certification. And that was the end of that. And everyone went back to school. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you've, it, everybody has a circuitous path, I think, to get where they're going. And, and mine we yeah. took a lot of twists and turns and it took a long time, but I definitely ended up where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, that's my philosophy is you at least have to pick a path. Even if it's the one you don't end up on, it'll get you to where you're supposed to be. So it, it, it's like but, with anything. Yeah. That reminds me, uh, I read an article in Country Living this morning about the 40 cheapest places to travel to, and both Knoxville and Portland were on that list. Do you have any response to that? Uh, Portland is probably cheap because of all the people leaving it, because <laughs> it's yeah. like, I mean, it, it has gone downhill since I have moved away from Oregon, um, you know, 15 years ago. Like, to, to go wow. back now... Um, you you fly into Portland, which I will be going there next month to visit my family again. Um, and you get a car, and as you're driving out of town on I two o five, it's like left, right, just homeless tents as far as the eye can see, everywhere, right on the interstate. And like that didn't used to be like that. I don't even go downtown. I don't have any reason to, but um, right. it's it's a mess. It's a mess. Wow. Um, Knoxville. To be honest, I don't really have anything bad to say about Knoxville. Like, it's great. Um, awesome. It kind of feels like home. And not, not just because I've lived here for a while, but like it feels homey. Um, and it is cheap. Like, housing is cheap. Uh, I was bragging to my parents about gas prices here the other day. It's down to like three thirty nine a gallon. So um, every, everything yeah, here is, is kind of cheap. I think you posted a picture maybe on your Instagram story a couple weeks ago, and I was shocked that the gas was cheaper in Knoxville than it is even in Omaha. Usually we have the cheapest. Yeah. It's always, it's always cheap here. And I remember at some point, like when prices were really low, when the pandemic was going on and nobody was driving anywhere, I used some like fuel points and stuff. And I almost got it down under a dollar a gallon. Wow. It was like a buck nine a gallon or something like that. Um, But the, the cool thing about Knoxville also is it's structured in a way I live in West Knoxville and everything that I could ever possibly want, I can get to within 15 minutes from here. So like, you know, any, any restaurant I want, any grocery store I want, guitar center, home Depot, Lowe's, four different gold gyms, you know, it's like 15 minutes away. It's like lots of options. (laughs) Is there a whole foods where you are? Yeah, but I don't go there. That's probably about 20 minutes from here. Uh, <laughs> I have to venture past the point of no return as far as traffic is concerned. Um, yeah. So th- there are some bad. dicey spots. I'm like, Ooh, if I got to go there, man, I got to pick my time. Right. Cause traffic around here can suck, but in my little bubble, it's, it's usually very manageable. Okay. Gotcha. So more about, um, your work as a coach, mm. um, you'd be willing to share with us, um, how many clients you have, or like on average, what's a normal load for you? Mm-hmm. Uh, it varies, as you can imagine. It can be quite volatile, and so it can be as low as fifty, and as high as one hundred and twenty, wow. uh, which seems okay. like a lot. But then you also think, like, well, that's all I do. <laughs> it's the only thing. So if I'm at the max of one hundred and twenty. Okay. And I split it up, you know, five days a week and take the weekends off and I have everybody spaced out. That's like, you know, checking in with about 24 people a day. 
which seems like a lot, yeah. but when you figure a day is eight hours, like it's, it's not that much. And I've, I've gone over that a couple times and that's when I start to feel like, okay, I'm starting to lose the plot a little bit here. Like I'm getting busier than I want to be. And if I can't remember something about a client's plan off the top of my head, like some basic detail, I'm like, there's too much stuff in my head, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's kind of easy. Like I, I, I know like roughly like where your caloric intake is at, um, just (laughs) off the top of my head. And as soon as I start to lose sight of that and I have to like, Oh, what's her name again? I don't know. Like that's a problem. (laughs) And thankfully I've never been like that. And I also, um, there's a certain, quality of response that I want to give people. And if I ever find myself compelled to answer an email with one word, that's how I know I'm stretched too thin. Um, okay. Cause every question always deserves a full answer um, that covers all the bases. I think. Those sound like healthy boundaries. Yeah. Um, yeah stuff you learn you over time. How- <laughs> <laughs> do you know how many clients total you've had? Oh, um, I can, I can tell you. Uh, okay. what, I, what I can do is I can pull up my past clients folder and I can tell you how many entries there are in there. 1,183. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. great. So that's people that I have worked with that I no longer work with. There, there are a oh, few okay. clients in here that I like worked with in person. This is going back like way, way. I'm like, who are those people again? And some of these people like I worked with them, like I wrote their initial plan and then never heard back from them after that ever again. Like that, that happens okay. not a lot, but more often than you might think. Like somebody gets the plan and they're and just immediately like, oh, fuck this shit. No, I'm not doing that. <laughs> like that immediate buyer's regret. And I'm like, hello, hello, hello. No response ever. Uh, but yeah, 1,183 past clients. Okay. Oh. And I'm guessing that list probably doesn't include like friends and family members that haven't like, you know, that you've helped out for free. It often does. Um, because like okay. uh, my mom has a folder in here because, uh, back in the day I like wrote up a little like at home workout plan for, her, and so I saved that. That was from like 2012 and I still have that. Why? Because I'm OCD and I can't help it. I think it counts. <laughs> It does. I had a, a client recently who came back and she had been away for um, seven years. And the first wow. good sign is immediately when she emailed me, I'm like, oh, you're back. Awesome. Cool. Like I remembered her. And like, I remembered particulars about what we had done before. And like, I had all of her stuff saved. I'm like, okay, so seven years ago, here's where we left off. And she was like, you're insane. <laughs> like, yeah, pretty much. I can't help it. No, I think it's appropriate. I get it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, is there an average amount of time that a client sticks around or is it just all over the board? Wow. It is all over the board. Um, like I've got a few clients here, uh, Dave, Max, I think are probably my two longest ones. I think I've been working with them for six years uninterrupted. Um, which, you know, they, they, they deserve some kind of a a medal of freedom for that or something. Um, (laughs) I mean, that, that's a lot. That's a lot. Like I said, some people, they don't even last a week. Um, I would say on average, you know, it, it's kind of like gymnastics scoring. You throw out the high score, you throw out the low score, what's left. Um, probably four to six months, something in that range. Oh, okay. That's a total guess. I have no and data to back that up at all. 
And do you think that, like, what do you think is the reason that people drop out after that time? Like they just wanted to try it and, and they're good or they're just like, ah, this is too much for my life. I can't do it. Oh boy. I could write a book on this question. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've worked with some people and, and these are almost the most frustrating ones where they go at it for like four months and they're doing really mm-hmm. well and they see some good progress and then they're like, okay, I'm good with that. Thanks. Um, we're just getting started here, man. Like you got all this potential and you're just, you're good with that. Oh, that's disappointing, but you can't make somebody want something that they don't want. Um, oftentimes, I mean, uh, let's be clear. Like what I ask people to do is not easy. And some people are not cut out for it and they try. And a lot of people realize after some time, like, it might not be that I'm not cut out for this, but I don't want to do this. And I'm like, that's fair. Like it, it's got to be important enough yeah. to you that you're willing to do the hard stuff and see the value in it and not treat it like it's a burden. Um, and that's so right. that, that's a certain personality type. And I always try and coach that a little bit. Like I try and tell people like, you know, a, a lot of people would kill for the chance to do something like this, to, to make, you know, to, to be, you know, uh, in a position where they can, you know, afford to make how their body looks down to the very little detail, a priority. That's, that's a cool thing to be able to work on. So um, if you can get people to see that as the positive and not just think all the time about all the food that they can't eat or whatever, and all the work that they have to do and realize like, you know, if you don't like working out, this probably isn't really going to work for you too much. <laughs> like, you can right. only force it for so yeah, long. I mean, I don't like drinking and I don't like sitting around in bars. And so I'm like, okay, what, what am I going to do? I'll go to the gym. That's my entertainment. <laughs> and let's be clear. It can be very entertaining. <laughs> oh, yes. As, as Especially long as those people aren't at, in your uh, way. <laughs> right. Well, they often are. Or the funny things do. Uh, what's the chain? Planet Fitness. Like, Oh, yeah. I'm. I'm the worst. I I'm, I'm like a Jim Karen. Like people try to save their Smith machine with their hoodie and I'll go tell on them or, or yeah. Or there'll be like a group of guys sitting on a bench and I'll go use the lat pull down and they're saying, they're like, we're using that. And I'm like, okay, but you're not right now. Like, and I can hop on here and do a set and we can take turns. Like you are, you're not using it. You are adjacent to it. Let's be clear. And I, I, I have found myself, I've actually done this a couple of times and I was kind of proud because I'm not usually an asshole to people openly, but I tell you what, it's kind of cathartic when you are to, to walk up to somebody and say, Hey, how many texts do you have left? They're like, what, how many sets do you have left? But you get it in there just that once, like, will you get off your damn phone and be done with this machine already? You bastard. Like I'm so sick of waiting on you. I've been watching you from 75 feet away for the last five minutes, just wondering when you're going to be done with that. Please hurry. <laughs> right. I know. I've my, done that too. My blood pressure is rising. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Let's take it back down a little here. Let's, 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 let's see. Oh. Serenity now. <laughs> Do you know the ages of your youngest and oldest clients currently? Yeah. My youngest client is 15. Um, and my, yeah. And she actually just competed, uh, about a month ago actually, and, uh, did really well. well in her, yeah. In her first OCB show up in New York state. 
So, um, yeah, and I've actually got another high school student that I'm working with who is actually, she's on the women's wrestling team at her school. And so she wants to build muscle for performance, but also get help cutting down so that she can make weight for wrestling. So, um, cool. That, that's that's newer. I've worked with some teenagers before. Um, Fifteen is the youngest that I've ever worked with, so that that's kind of interesting. And I have to watch myself, like when I'm doing uh, check-ins and stuff. Like I'll make a lot of cultural references, and I'm like, oh, there, there's no way that she's old enough to get that. Oh, dang it! Like, like you can't make a Seinfeld reference to a 15 year old and have them not think you're an idiot. Like it's just it's not going to work. Um, my oldest client right now is 67. And uh, actually, okay. he, I just sent him his first plan yesterday, actually. So um, oh, wow. I have worked with a couple people in their 70s in the past. Um, so, okay. and you know, different concerns there. Um, you know, like uh, the diet for someone in that age bracket is going to look very different. Um, and there's always additional medical concerns. There's usually some health concerns, et cetera, that kind of stuff. So, um, in what way is the diet different? Uh, you know, typically somebody that age, you know, your metabolism slows down. They just don't eat as much. Um, and so uh, for, for somebody that's in like the 20 to 50 age bracket, very generally, I've got a certain number that's in my head just based on their demographic information, like gender, age, height, weight, et cetera. Like, oh, their calories probably should be in this general range to maintain this general range for a deficit, et cetera. You got to throw all that away when you're dealing with somebody who's 65, 67, because the numbers are going to be very different for sure. Okay. Um, on July 2nd, you had, I think, it, I don't know if it was an Instagram or a Facebook post about your client named Josh, and you called him, quote unquote, captain of your consistency crew. <laughs> um, <laughs> I just wanted to know, what are the other crews you have? Like, am I on the, what the fuck are you doing crew? <laughs> oh, oh, that's good. I was not prepared for this question, but let's see. This can, this can be creative. This can be creative. Well, let's see. I've got, I've, I do have a few. And so th this might be an airing of grievances here, but we're going to go with it. Um, that's okay. The first thing that comes to mind is the late crew, the people who are always late with their check-ins. Uh, there's a special place in the blackness of my heart for those people. Um, because, Man, I really like sticking to a schedule. And when somebody else doesn't, it's like, I feel like it's a personal attack in some ways. <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel like I've been personally offended. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, and I get over it, but there are people who are consistently late. Um, and it kind of rubs me the wrong way just because I do everything possible to consistently be on time to the point where, you know, if, if I can count on less than one hand the number of times i haven't gotten somebody's check-in back to them the same day and it's been because of you know typically like a death in the family or something like that um so it's like i take my schedule right. very seriously so the late crew that's there. consistency crew yeah um the all business crew you know the people who their check-ins are just like devoid of detail um not a lot in there but they're always doing all the right stuff it's just like yeah we're on autopilot here and it's like their check-in literally could take like a minute it's like okay yep we're good we're good i barely even have to look at anything i know we're doing it all right and those are lo that's lovely that's a very small crew very small crew very select company there um 
there is a, like a high maintenance crew. Um, and I would say those are the people who tend to write what I would call like novella for their check-ins, um, <laughs> like multiple pages of notes, which is often good <laughs> un unless sometimes it starts to go quite a bit off topic. And then I got to reel them in a little bit. Mm. At that point, I'll actually like copy and paste their check-in into a text file and just delete big chunks of it that aren't relevant and then look at what's <laughs> left. And oftentimes it's like, oh, okay, there isn't really a whole lot here. Okay, cool. Like, uh, yeah, okay. your work situation sucks. There's not, nothing I can do about that. Find a new job if you need to. Okay, cool. Um, but yeah, that, that's, those are the ones that jump out. Okay. <laughs> I feel like this is a it's little like, bit of it's like... It's like they're confusing you with their therapist or maybe they need a therapist. Well, and you know, I, I, clearly I'm a terrible therapist because a real one would charge a lot more than I do per hour. Um, but that is like... I joke about it, but that is a small part of what I do. Like legitimately, it's like helping people kind of work through some very basic shit. Um, and oftentimes I'm just like the third party. It's like, whoa, step back and take a look at what you're really doing here or what you're really giving yourself crap about or why you're being so hard on yourself here. Like you got to be reasonable. And so just helping people see things a little bit more fairly is often all they need. back together. The different crews you have, when I was asked, I think I asked a follow-up question about it. Uh, you, would, you were talking about how you, you in some basic capacity service people's therapists, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's not my favorite thing, but it's kind of necessary um, because a lot of this, like, you know, I have a coach as well. And sometimes I need just, not really like a therapy session, but just like a little like, hey, help me, help me out with this. I'm overthinking this and I kind of know I am. And just kind of part of my job is to kind of help people keep their heads on straight as much as anything else. I wouldn't say that's therapy so much because that undersells what a therapist does. But um, certainly I'm not qualified to do much of anything. And I've worked with people that like go into like how their marriage is terrible. I'm like, there's only so much I can do. Here. Like, you know, what, what do you want from me? I'm a fucking bodybuilding right. coach, you know, it's like, <laughs> keep in mind who you're talking to here. Um, and also like my own marital history. I'm like, I don't know if I should be giving anybody advice. Okay. <laughs> so don't, don't listen to me. Right. It, it, it's tricky. So I, I try and help people as best I can understanding that uh, there's a line I don't want to cross where they're starting to think that they should be getting more from me than I'm qualified to give them. Right. Gotcha. Um, and I mean, that makes sense because you do ask, you know, what's the biggest thing causing us stress in our life right now? It, so to some extent. Yeah. And managing that is a big deal. And if you, if you ignore that completely, it's like, there's only so much I can do about it. But part of it is just like helping somebody realize what it is and making them kind of confront it themselves. Yeah. I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> period all right all right we're gonna move on oh wait no i have one last coaching question okay and then we're gonna move on to the fun stuff oh, dear. um <laughs> what would you say are your clients rights and responsibilities in this relationship and what are yours as a coach oh wow that's tricky Rights and responsibilities. Well, their responsibility is to be honest and open. And if they don't do that, don't hire a coach. Um, so 
beyond that, I'm not really sure what responsibilities they have. Like, be honest, communicate, um, be transparent. Uh, don't put on a brave face. If something sucks and you're suffering, like, let me know. Um, and, you know, you, you've, you've done that with me before. You're like, hey, time out. Fuck this shit. We need to change something. And I mean, that was, yeah. that was overdue and the right call to make. Absolutely. Um, their, uh, their rights. I mean, it's kind of like the inverse, like their, their right is part of my responsibility and vice versa. Maybe I think there's a little bit of overlap there. Um, their, their rights are first of all, like privacy. Um, like I work with married couples, et cetera. And you know, like if you want to talk about each other's plan amongst yourselves, great. Uh, I'm, I'm a firewall. So, you know, whatever you say to me, it doesn't make it to the other person. You know, and uh, like you send me your progress pics. Great. I don't post those. A lot of people are really worried about that. Um, uh, and yeah. so, you know, respect privacy. Beyond that, I'm, I'm sure there's like some really obvious ones that I'm missing, but nothing jumps out as far as like their rights. I mean, the expectations would be another one. Like expect me to respond timely in detail. Don't blow off questions. There's no such thing as a stupid question. You know, everybody's coming at this with a different level of experience. So if you have a question that you think is maybe like, oh, that's below his pay grade. No, it's not. <laughs> I promise you. And you want the first person to have asked it. It's been asked before. So um and as far as my rights and response, my responsibilities are, are largely just professional. Like, you know, I, I know what I want from a coach. And so my responsibility is to provide that for other people. Um, and my rights are pretty minimal. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I, I, I don't I mean, take abuse from people. Um, I've had to deal with that okay. before. Um, oh, wow. Um, I, I do have the right to fire anybody that I don't want to work with anymore. Um, just like, just like anybody has the ability to fire me whenever they want. There's no contracts involved or anything like that. Um, I had to fire somebody, uh, last week, actually. Um, I had just wrote you too much. No, actually. Um, (laughs) (laughs) it takes a lot for me to fire somebody, by the way. Usually it's like, somebody fires themselves by missing a bunch of check-ins in a row and they just become non-communicative. I'm like, all right, whatever, moving on. Um, but okay. this person, it's like, wow, this is such a bad fit. Like they signed up, they got their initial plan and had all these questions about like, okay, now how can we make this work where I don't really have to follow the diet? Do I have to join a gym? Can I just go two to three days a week? I'm like, goodbye. I'm actually going to do an unprecedented step here. I'm going to refund what you paid and we're going to part ways and just never talk about this again. So, yeah, it's kind of like, what were they thinking this was going to be like? And they were a referral from a friend, a friend who told yeah. them what to expect. And still they're like, yeah, that sounds like what I need. And then they get it and they're like, okay, now I have some questions. And I'm like, oh, dear. <laughs> so I, I, I thought about that for a few hours and I consulted my wife and I'm like, in a situation like this, like, I just need to let this person go, right? She's like, yes. <laughs> like, okay. Again, sometimes you just need a gut check. You need somebody else who isn't really involved in the whole thing to kind of say like, yeah, that's unreasonable. And you should let that person go. Okay, cool. So, um, yeah, I think, that, I think that pretty well sums it up. Cool. Okay. I'm eager to get to the fun stuff now, whatever that might be. Yes. Okay. Well, my next question is actually about something I can see behind you, and I want to hear about your guitars. How many do you have? Oh, oh, how many do I have? I think I have. I got about thirteen, I think. Um, 
they're all lefties. Right. But I play backwards. Um, and they're all cheap, save for like one. I got a PRS okay. that is, you see that electric blue one right there? I love that blue one. Yeah. So it's the one right next to it. Oh. <laughs> you can barely see it. it it's kind of like pale green. That's my PRS, my Paul oh. Reed Smith, um, who Paul Reed Smith doesn't really make cheap guitars. That's the cheapest one he makes. Um, but, you know, as the most expensive one in my collection, I think it was like 800 bucks or something like that. And you'll find a lot of people who spend three or four grand on a guitar. Like most yeah. of mine are like, you know, two to 400 bucks. <laughs> They're cheap ass lefties. Um, Do I'm you pretty have a favorite? Uh, the, the PRS is kind of my favorite. Also, the, that electric blue one next to mm -hmm. it on the other side, <laughs> there's, there's a darker blue one. That's my yes. Ibanez. I don't know what it is, but it's actually the cheapest guitar I own. I think it was $180 off Amazon. And Hello. every song that I write that's like a hard rock song, that's the rhythm guitar for it. It's just awesome. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It stays in tune no matter what I do. I love it. So at a party, instead of asking you how you feel about that keto, it would be better to ask you about your guitars. Please. Yes. Just don't expect me to pick one up and play it because I'm just going to embarrass myself. I was... Uh, when did you... Sorry, I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt just for a second here yeah. as an example. There's a song that I've been working on, trying to write, um, that uh, I think on Sunday I sat down. Are you still there? Your screen's frozen. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm. I think I'm here. I think okay. I'm here. All right, it's not. You're Do you frozen. Yeah. There we go. Okay. All right. Good. Good. Um, I, on Sunday, I sat down. I'm like, okay, now it's time. I got to do the guitar solo for this song. And you know, I'm no Eddie Van Halen. Let me tell you that for sure. Um, but I can sit down and I can kind of know how I want it to sound, and I can kind of clunk it out. And my recording program does this very insulting thing where every time I record a new take, it numbers it on screen. And by the time I got to the point where I had pieced the whole thing together and I was happy with how it sounded, it said something like 197. So um, <laughs> that's not me playing the whole thing 197 times. It's like, okay, I got to go back and do this one measure like another 17 times to get it right and stitch it all together. But it was 197 total takes to get like 30 seconds wow. of a solo. So um, my fingers are shot. I haven't played since then just because they take a few days to kind of get back to it. <laughs> right. Yes. I don't play guitar, but I do play the ukulele. So I understand that part. Nice. So. I, I have one. It's are out of frame, but it's, it's up there behind me. Oh. I, I made it myself actually at a, a little class. Oh, wow. Um, it's a cigar box ukulele and uh, it stays in tune oh, for yeah, yeah. about eight seconds. Um, once you start right. strumming it, yeah, not the highest quality, yeah. uh, self-taught on everything. Yes. I did have, well, I think I took like two guitar lessons from a guy when I lived in Asheville, but I don't remember any, I don't remember anything about those. <laughs> like they weren't, they weren't super valuable. He was really cool. I'm just like, I wasn't ready to learn at that point. So, um, okay. Yeah. But on the piano, you're like, you're like legit trained. No self-taught there as well. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And that, that is why, how, um, Oh, go ahead. Good. How old were you when you first started? Like 14, 13, 14, something like okay. that. When I first started, my mom was taking lessons. And so I used her little books that she had and oh, I kind of yeah. went through those. I'm like, okay, cool. What else we got? What else we got? And it just kind of just naturally clicked. Um, but 
because I didn't take lessons, like I have horrible technique, like legit terrible technique, which is why I have pretty good forearms. Um, even though I never train <laughs> forearms because I play with so much tension right. all the time. Uh. And yeah. And so every time I sit down to play like tomorrow's band practice and, uh, you know, we, we, we always call it like, Hey, who, Darren, what do you want to do? And I'm like, okay, well, we just did that song. So I need something super chill now. Cause I got nothing but lactic acid build up in my <laughs> forearms. So we got to do something slow or something where I could just play a few notes and let our guitarist kind of handle most of it or whatever. But yeah, lactic acid is the big enemy for me when I play. <laughs> okay. How many members are there in your band? There are five of us presently. Oh, so wow. it's me and I only play piano in the band. That's the only thing that I'm good enough to do live. <laughs> I okay. Can't, can't play guitar live. Uh, my wife sings and our friend is the other singer. Um, we have uh, Terry, who's our bass player, who was our bass player years back and then stopped being our bass player because he got busy with other bands. And now that band broke up. So now he's back with us. And then okay. uh, Dustin plays acoustic guitar with us. And we found him because uh, my wife taught his daughter at school. And oh, okay. So he kind of came through, they were doing an art show and he came through and she had some of our CDs out on the, t on her table in her booth, um, at the art show for display. And he was like, Oh, you do music. She's like, yeah, yeah. So he, he's like, Oh, I play guitar. And he showed a picture of his studio. And he, he's one of those guys where he has the guitars that are like hanging on the wall and they're all like specially lit and everything like that. So like, <laughs> not like that, where they're just like hanging around like furniture. Um, but he's, he's pretty legit. So, and that adds, we've never had a guitarist or a band before and it adds a whole different dimension. That's kind of nice. Wow. Do you have regular standing gigs? Like you play this certain venue every week or every month? Um, the answer is no. And I would add to that, thankfully. And my wife would add to that, damn you, because playing live, <laughs> playing live stresses me out and she loves it. Um, uh, and not, not because we have like vastly different responsibilities or anything like that. Like I have to prepare, she has to prepare. It's just my response to it is to get stressed out by it. Um, and right. the solution there is to just do more of it and get over it. So, but we, uh, we don't have any standing gigs cause for the longest time we didn't have, well, I mean there was COVID, so we didn't do anything for a couple of years. Um, and right. then we were kind of slow coming back. So a lot of the places are kind of booked up with people that beat us to the punch. So we're trying to, trying to play oh. some connections and, and warm our way back in, but it's a slow process. And Dustin and Terry are fairly recent additions to the band. So we're trying to get them up to speed on all the songs that we've been working on for the last few years too. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think I saw on your Instagram story, were you one time working on learning Italian? Yeah. Yeah. Still am. Still yeah. am. I want okay. to talk to you, you about that. I had, I had questions for you as well okay. because of, you know, your job, <laughs> right? We should touch on that. Yes. Um, okay. So you, you are, from what I understand it, you are a, an interpreter in the legal system. That's correct. I work as a Spanish interpreter in the state courts in Nebraska and previously in immigration courts as well. Okay. So the big question that I have for you there is how did you learn Spanish? Was it like you grew up speaking it or you lived in a Spanish speaking place for a while or you just studied it? I just studied it. I actually um, took German all throughout like junior high and high school. And I Me got too. to, uh, oh yeah. <laughs> so I got to this, um, I got to college and 
there were a few German people there and, but there were all these people from Latin America and Spain. And so just by hanging out with them, I just kind of started to pick it up. Mm-hmm. And when I came back to Omaha and transferred to the university here, I was actually taking both German and Spanish at the same time, but it was eating up too many credit hours. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to do anything with German. No, probably not. So I gave it up. Spanish, yeah. however, more than a little useful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> super helpful. That is super cool because as I'm going through Italian and I'm just using Duolingo and I have a book over here that I use as a little reference too sometimes to help kind of fill in some gaps because Duolingo, uh, you're probably familiar with it. It's all about repetition. It's like, we're not going to teach you a whole lot. We're going to like, okay, here's a little bit about this section on verbs that we're going to do, but now we're just going to uh, throw a whole bunch of sentences at you and you're going to learn it that way. Um, yeah. And I like to go back and like be able to reference like things in tables and look at things. So the book is there for that. Um, but as I'm going through and progressing it, 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 it occurs to me, first of all, you learn a lot about English in doing that as well. Like you, you think like, why do we have to conjugate all these verbs? And it's like, well, we do that in English too. It's just, it looks different. Um, yeah. But also you understand like how big the gap is between being able to say some things and being fluent. Yeah. Like it is a massive gap. Oh my God. (laughs) And I think that an even bigger gap is that like, you know, I learned Spanish in college. So I learned a very academic, uh, proper Spanish. And so the work that I have to do consistently is to keep myself informed of slang. That's the hardest part because, um, especially if you're, if you're working on a drug case, you know, and it's just like, I don't, I don't know those terms in those countries. I can barely keep up with slang in English. Right. Same. Yeah. I feel like I need to maintain um, adolescent friends throughout my whole life. Exactly. In multiple languages. (laughs) And I mean, the other thing is like, also like in Duolingo, they throw like male and female voices at you, like younger voices, older voices, but they're all speaking pretty clearly. Like it's all been professionally recorded and it's not like somebody talking a mile a minute in court. <laughs> right. Well, and also like, right. And when you get over to Italy and the people and you say, where's the bathroom? And the person's like, Oh, it's down the corner. Down the house, blah, 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 blah. You're going to go, what? <laughs> and then I'm going to say, why didn't I learn the word for slower? <laughs> <laughs> well, now, you know, don't forget that one. I, I do. I do remember um, when I went to France many years ago, like 2005, learned just a little bit of French before going. But one of the phrases that I did learn was repeat slower, please. <laughs> so oh, I, I, I went in for that. This was before like cell phones. So I didn't have like a translation app. So you're carrying around the little book with you. And, oh, I don't care to go back to that. <laughs> right. <laughs> but I'm up, I'm up to like 170 um, oh, days on Duolingo. So I'm, I'm keeping, keeping the dream alive. Okay, good job. Yeah. I think the most important thing is as long as you expose yourself to it every day for at least 10 minutes, just. And the, the one thing that, you yeah. know, that, that app is kind of hokey, but the one thing they do is they give you a lot of reasons to come and check back in for five, 10, 15 minutes, a couple of times a day. Um, they have systems built in oh, that kind of force that like, you know, cause you're earning experience points and you can compete on other people on the leaderboard for how active you are. But then they're like, if you log in between these hours, then you get a, you get double experience for 15 minutes. And so they encourage just like these little bursts a couple times a day, but it's really smart because if, if I just did it like 
even once a day or once every few days, it wouldn't be nearly as effective. But getting that little blast right. where it's like, oh, I'm starting to forget this stuff. Oh, here's these words again. Great. And then that helps it stick. So tell us something. Uh, mangio la carne. Is that like enjoy the meat? I eat the meat. <laughs> I, I eat the meat. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> That's like the All one right. thing that I know how to, I, I need to know how to say realistically. So. <laughs> Okay. Oh, and, and right. uh, non mangio il pesce. I don't eat fish. I don't eat fish. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. If I, if I can say that, <laughs> then I can, I can kind of be safe if I go and order out somewhere. Gotcha. I recommend reading <laughs> Stanley Tucci's book, Taste. Um, he talks about amazing places to eat in Italy. I don't know where you're going, but if you're going anywhere near the places he went, it was, I was like, whoa. Well, the, the goal and the, the trip that we had booked, and this was for June that we ended up canceling um, because of like airline logistical crap. Um, but we'll, that's the area that I'm researching is like Florence, Tuscany, Cinque Terre. Okay. So like flying to Those Florence, do a little bit of train ride, get a car for Tuscany, just drive around to random farmhouses and stuff like that. And it, uh, it looks awesome. So I can't wait to do that. Yay. Well, those are all the questions that I had. No way. Did I, did well, I pass okay, the test? I mean, I do, I do, I, yeah, you did. Oh, shoot. I could ask you a few more if you want me to keep going. <laughs> I mean, I mean t take your pick. Like, what's, what's your, well, your hardest one or your most controversial one that's left? I'm just going to um, throw myself to the wolves here. I think I had tried to get you to go to an aerial yoga class, maybe near Farragut one time, I think. And you said, oh, I have a funny story about that place. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's yeah. right. I did. So um, it's not that funny. It's not that funny. But um, okay. I actually knew about that place um, beforehand because I, and it's just kind of a weird coincidence here because it's not far from here. Um, but I had, I was just absolutely so sick of Gold's Gym Farragut. I'm like, there's got to be another gym around here that I can go to. So I was just Googling gyms in the area and I found this place and I don't remember what it was called. I'm like, that's a gym, really? And I go onto the website and I look and I look and I look and I'm like, oh, this is like an aerial silks place. Okay, cool. That's weird. Uh, I've never noticed it there. That's kind of yeah. strange. And then it was later that day and it's really kind of out of the way. Like you don't just drive by accidentally, like you're going here and then you turn into a residential neighborhood and then you drive past it. And yeah, it's, it's like used to be somebody's house and now it's this. Um, wow. and it was later that day, I ended up driving past it to go pick up something for my wife from somebody who lived in that neighborhood. Oh, it, that's it was crazy. like the most random thing. I'm like, there's the place that I just Googled earlier today. Okay. And had never heard about before. So yeah. Yeah. So like I said, not that funny, but kind of coincidental. Oh yeah. I'm surprised the zoning laws allow for that. That's interesting. Maybe it's kind of like what the city doesn't know, doesn't hurt them. Actually, they're not in the city. They're in the County. That probably has something to do with it as well. Ah, uh, there are no, there probably aren't any zoning. Yeah, probably laws not, in which, area. which is why like, you know, as you, as you go there, you pass by like a, I think it's like a tire shop and there's always a taco truck parked in the same area too. So it's like the most random stuff. It's like, okay, aerial place, tire shop, taco truck, Sure. That seems, seems perfectly legit. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> you can get tacos after Ariel. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like a decent fit if you're going to go that route. I mean, is that, is that one of your go-tos? Cause you do Ariel all the time, right? 
I don't eat tacos. They have too much fat, and I don't usually have enough um, carbs left in my day to, well, um, to is, eat corn tortillas. That is such a coach-pleasing <laughs> answer, I can't even tell you. That is, that is yeah, brilliant. That is brilliant. So but one thing also, like, you know, technically I'm the guest, but I think you should be able to plug yourself here. So if people want to follow you on social media, they can find you. Um, I am on Instagram as Ariel Abuela because it has both uh, equal amounts of my aerial practice as an aerialist and um, probably too much of my grandchildren that I'm <laughs> extremely proud of. <laughs> I don't think there's a such thing as too much grandchildren. Um, uh, uh, and then, uh, I think I'm on TikTok. Yeah. TikTok is Nebraska hun. So it's like the, the first two syllables of Nebraska, but followed by H O N. That is hilarious. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Very cool. Well, th this was fun. This is fun. We should yeah. do this again. Never. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I, it was fun, but I'm not sure how much else I have to offer. I mean, we could really dig in on some really, you know, random bullshit and start talking about, you know, because I, I could talk for days about TV shows and movies and stuff like that. We didn't even touch any of that. So we got we got to save some stuff for the well, redux my, of this. Okay. My hope is that maybe this will generate more questions from your listeners and they'll want follow up on certain things, but you don't need me for that. I mean, you could just kind of go through and read the answers yourself or, or we could do this again someday. Either way. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Uh -huh. So you listened to my, uh, my wine fest um, last week about not getting questions from people and like, yes. yeah, that really obnoxious whining. So man, um, asking you shall receive. Apparently I just had to be a little baby about it. And suddenly, uh, I got a ton of, a ton of questions from people. So, um, Good. and I get to ignore all those for this week and save them for next week. Cause we did this instead. So. Yay. Yeah. All right. I look forward to all those future episodes. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, producing them is a bit of a pain, but it's worth it. It's worth it. I just gotta, I, I have to keep the post-production stuff to a minimum because then it becomes too daunting. I'm like, yeah, I'm never going to do that. Uh, so um, we're going to get it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this and putting the questions together. That was awesome. It was a lot of fun. You are most welcome. Yeah. I really enjoyed it as well. Cool. Thanks for having me. Well, th thank you for having me on your podcast. I appreciate it. <laughs> uh, until next time, right? <laughs> yeah.